The Courage to Lead, episode 153. You're listening to the IB4E Coaching Podcast. Brought to you by IB4E Coaching, business coaching for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business professionals. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com. Hey, Coach Harlan here. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you guys are having an exceptional week. Um, I'm having a great week and I'm excited to introduce you to my guest today. Please help me welcome Mike Audi. Mike Audi creates innovative data products for B2C and B2B markets. As co-founder and CTO of Bluestream, he built, led, and sold products responsible for billions of user data points into businesses ranging from small businesses to Fortune 500 brands. He's been featured as a data expert in the New York Times, Financial Times, CNN, Cyber News, CPO Magazine, and many others. Passionate about the power of data, transparency, and people, not the system. Mike is also founder and CEO of Tiki, which gives you the power to decide what data companies collect, how they use that data, and when they do, you get paid your fair share. Unique Data Market makes your data anonymous and accessible by the millions of small businesses you actually care about, not just the big budget corporations. Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Coach. No, oh, this is awesome. Very cool. So I'm, when you start talking about the data, the data that's collected, how that data is used and stuff, it, it's infuriating because you yeah. know you have no control. This is me. All that data that's collected is me, my data, everything I'm doing, things that I purchases, right? Things that I buy, things that I watch on TV or listen to and stuff. All that data that kind of defines me is used and I have no idea who is using it or how they're using it. Yeah, we we use a phrase here at Tiki, your data is your story. And you deserve the right to own your story and decide how it's used. Your data is a digital representation of you. Yeah. And it's just being taken advantage of, exploited, manipulated, leaked, and there seems to be no repercussions or fairness in the system whatsoever. None. But you guys are attempting to get that back. We believe it can be fixed, right? Awesome. As with all things, right? Um, the premise of Tiki was real simple. As a user, the current expectation in the world is either you give up all privacy or you quit using the internet. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but that seems like two terrible options, right? Like, yeah. why can't we have something that's in the middle? Like, why yeah. can't we have privacy and data? Like, why, are, why is it one or the other? And so exactly. we set out to build exactly that. Excellent. Excellent. All right. I want to learn more about this. I want to learn how you got all this stuff together, who you're working with currently and how it's helping. And, and uh, yeah, yeah, good stuff. But before we get started, I have 10 questions that I ask every one of my guests. Listeners know these are the 10 questions asked on the TV show uh, Inside the Actor's Studio, where host James Lipton asked these same questions of the Hollywood uh, guests that he had from TV, film, and stage. And I figure if they're good enough for the Hollywood elite, they're more than good enough for my guests. So, Mike, you're ready. 10 simple questions. Question number one, what is your favorite word? Liberty. Perfect. What is your least favorite word? Don't do that. <laughs> it's not exactly a word, but you just <laughs> remove the spaces and you got it. <laughs> there you go. Or no, I just don't like no. Don't say yeah. no. Yeah. Um, Question three, what turns you on? Making something that matters. Excellent. What turns you off? 
similar to don't do that, but being told it can't be done or because mm. it's been done this way, it can't be done that way. You know, take it to their data point before what told you the options are quit internet or give up all <laughs> privacy. And I'm saying, no, why can't we have something that is different than both of those? Like why do exactly. we have, to have only two bad options? <laughs> exactly. All right. What sound or noise do you love? The rain. What sound or noise do you hate? Like high pitched noises, high pitched screeching, yelling and screams or like nails on a chalk, anything that's like high pitched, like high frequency. Yeah. All right. Question seven. What is your favorite curse word? The F word. If you go to our website, it says the internet is F. Um, <laughs> uh -huh. Yep. All right. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? I always, well, so I wanted to be a ski bum for the longest time. I'm not sure that's a profession. Um, <laughs> there was always something that I would say all the time is like, if this never this didn't work out or I got too tired of building things. It was just too much. I was just going to quit and be a fisherman. And I don't even particularly like fish or fishing. I just like the idea of just like you get up at like super early in the morning and you do manual labor on a boat all day and you come home and you drink some beers and then you just do the same thing again. Um, and so I, I don't know, something about that just feels like completely the opposite of my life. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. All right. What profession would you not like to do? politics i'm with you all right final question if heaven exists what would you like to hear god say when you arrive at the pearly gates hell yeah <laughs> <laughs> nice one i don't know you did yeah, good no, that's, that's good job awesome. good that's job awesome. and a fist bump i'll take that one <laughs> perfect all right so mike we're going to come back talk about how you got your start how you got to where you are uh blue stream talk about tiki and at some point, we're going to talk about courage and leadership, right? Awesome. Listeners, we'll be talking about all that and more right after this. So stick with us. Imagine having a trusted group of CEOs at your disposal. Imagine having your very own peer advisory team who could work you through the problems and questions in your business before you had to make those difficult decisions. Imagine you had a group of advisors that had your back and met for the sole purpose of making you successful in your business. What would you be able to accomplish then? Well, you don't have to imagine anymore. You can have that and more when you join my Business Success Mastermind Group. Join my Business Success Mastermind Group today. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. All right, and I'm back with my guest, Mike Addy. Mike, thanks again for agreeing to be on the podcast. Um, you guys seem like you have a lot of fun. I love your website. Yeah. But like at fun. the same time, it's infuriating that why isn't, why isn't this been an option? right all along yeah. so well, tell you why I'd, and you know i used to joke you'd probably hear me yelling about this you know at a frat party back in like 2009 and like this is not a new problem right <laughs> those of us who have worked in this space right my career was building these kinds of data systems behind the scenes that we all use and experience we were the ones who cared about it. if you watch the social dilemma it's full of engineers like me being like i built that thing but i'll never let my kids use it right yeah. and so that tells you a whole lot about you know, how these systems work. Yeah. And the reason we couldn't do it was because the only people who cared were us engineers. 
for the longest time, right? Like ultimately to take ownership of your data requires you to, as a person and a user to step up and say, I want to do this, right? That I want to do that thing is the barrier to solving this problem. After that, it's fancy code and go-to-market strategies and branding and all the you know stuff around building a business. But it all starts with, do people care enough about it? Do people even know that it's a problem? Is it a problem that affects their lives? Um, in 2020 is when we started the company because I felt like we finally had turned that corner, right? With some like crazy events, like 30 million people leaving WhatsApp over a privacy policy change. I don't think anyone had ever uninstalled an app before from a yeah. privacy policy change, let alone 30 million, right? Yeah. And it started to be like, oh, this has hit the general population. It reached the zeitgeist, right? Yeah. You can, like, it would cost you billions, trillions of dollars if you had to educate the whole world on why data and privacy right. are important. But once we hit that tipping point, now we can do something about it. Right. But that's just it. People don't think about it. Your data is being collected everywhere yeah. you are, everything you do, every breath you take, every step you take. Um, but we have no control over where that is or, or how it's being used. Yeah. It's a big problem, right? And yeah. part of it's on purpose, part of it's not, right? Like if you think about data, it's hard to wrap your mind around what it even is. It's like this yeah. intangible thing that you're constantly creating. You yeah. don't know how much it's worth. It doesn't really affect you until it comes back to like your credit card gets leaked or something, mm -hmm. right? Or you're like, well, that adds annoying, but whatever, right? It doesn't really trans translate until something bad happens to you, at which point it's way too late. Right. So this like, it's hard to really kind of wrap your mind around it, as well as the entire system on the internet is built to not make it easy for you to understand, right? So you just say, screw it and click the box, right? Like right, right. read this 40 page legal document where you have to be both an engineer and a lawyer to figure out or click this checkbox and just move on, right? Like yeah. there is no incentive by any of the companies that rely on your data to make it easy for you to understand and opt out of things. <laughs> and yeah. so you've got two forces that are really working against all of us making conscious choices. Yeah, it's like that form that you have to sign that says, if you get hurt doing this, we're not responsible. Yeah. Nobody reads it. It's just like, yes, I want to do this. So yeah. I'm in. Um, all right, let's start back at the beginning. I mean, did you grow up using computers, loving computers and knowing that's what you wanted to do? Or how did you get into this, this field? Um, I mean, yeah, I grew up, you know, I had a, I, my, my dad brought home this giant tower when I was like seven, um, in 1995 running windows 97. So yeah, I did grow up with computers. I've always liked them, but as a kid, I just wanted to make things and invent things. That was mm -hmm. it. I always wanted to invent something that mattered, right? That's it. Um, so I've always wanted to do that. I went to school for robotics. Actually, I was in love nice. with robots um, I fell in love with electrical engineering while doing robots. And then somehow I found my way into data and software. Um, but um, yeah, I just always wanted to build things. Um, yeah. Very cool. And then uh, Bluestream, right? You say the Bluestream kind of transforms the, the product experience. Yeah, it uh, does. Improving customer satisfaction, loyalty, reducing churn. How does it do that? Yeah. Well, so we started that company right out of college. I joined and we started that thing. And it uses the data about you and your interaction with a product after you buy that product to retain the customer for a big company. Um, and what we found is there's this like 
little magical sweet spot where if you send a user the right information at the right point in time, you'll retain them forever, right? A good right. example is we worked with Taylor Guitars to make a bunch of their guitars smart. Um, inside of there is an accelerometer. And if you drop your guitar, it sends you a notification on your phone saying, hey, you dropped your guitar. Here's how to check your guitar for damage. And if you, really? if there is damage, here's the nearest luthiers who can fix it, right? Nice. That's, if you do that, at that right point in time, you right. lock that customer in. Absolutely. Especially in a highly commoditized market, like guitars, right? Like everybody has the same wood. It's not like they invented some new tree. They all have right. the same glues. They have the same shape, right? So they all kind of more or less sound the same. You know, the biggest difference is the brand. And, you know, all the, you, you buy a guitar at, Guitar Center, you don't buy it from Taylor. So Taylor doesn't know who you are, yet right. they're completely dependent on your experience with their brand to for their economic model. And so they're highly incentivized where, you know, traditionally they just do like drip marketing. You get a you get a text message with a coupon at two in the morning while you're asleep and you're like, screw this, unsubscribe, don't contact me ever again, right? right? So there's like this weird fine line after the sale where if you get it just right, you'll lock them in forever. Um, and you get it wrong, you'll... You lose them, right? And You're so losing. it's, and that's at its core is actually a robotics problem, right? You got sensing, you've got logic and AI and electronics and mm -hmm. actually getting somebody to do something. It's a giant signals problem. But ultimately, that's what got me into data was what do you do when you start having billions and billions and billions of data points streaming in real time? And you're trying to figure out just that right sweet spot to, yeah. to engage a user's return it, retain mm -hmm. them. And so that was the company we built that. Um, we did that for, I did that for like seven years. Okay. Um, we worked with huge brands. It was almost exclusively giant brands. There were a few smaller ones that we could work with, um, all about retaining customers. Yeah. But then to get the customer information, do they have to fill out that little card and send back in saying, I purchased this on this date and blah, blah, blah? Depends. Uh, how right? else, so, uh, well, how do, you, how else do you know how I'm using the product? Yeah, it depends on what it is, right? So for the Taylor one, there's an app called the Taylor Sense app, which goes with your guitar and helps you take care of it and monitors your guitar. And so when you sign up for the app, that app now is a touch point to communicate to them. But okay. you know, we did programs that are just text messages where you sign up online or through the purchase of the product, you're actually giving some information, you use that information to re-engage the users. There were some that were like, sign up with a QR code scan, right? Like it okay. just depends. It could be from a website, it could be from IoT data from inside like an instrument. It could be just a user visiting, just looking at the FAQ pages on your website. It could have been anything as the source, right? We were source agnostic for the data. The trick was okay. how do you use that information to pick that point in time and what do you send them? <laughs> nice. And so you actually work with the companies to help them collect the data? Yeah, help, the, help them collect the data, use the data and deliver the content, right? So, right, because if you go to a, a big company, they're like, we got a million things going on. We have all of this data, but we don't know what to do with it or how to no use idea. it. Yeah. And then they're like, all right, great. And then, you know, what are we going to give them? What are we going to send them? So we ended up having to help them write the copy and create the stuff, working with experts to figure out what videos to make, to send to users, et cetera. So a little wow. all of it. Yeah. Wow. And so, yeah, it used to be, you know, money was power and then oil was power and then nuclear bombs are power. But now data, everything is data. If you have yeah. data and information that you, you have power. But how is that, so how is that data being misused? Well, with any amount of power comes, what, what's the saying? Great responsibility. Is that, that right. Spider-Man, I think? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you have something that's powerful, 
Um, it can be used for great things and terrible things. And we've seen that with data time and time again. We've seen really amazing use cases and horrible use cases of greed and manipulation and exploitation, but also things like training AI to spot cancer before doctors do, right? Like that's a great use case of data, right? Like mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> who wouldn't want that, right? Less cancer, sure. less sick, right? Like, of course. And so the data itself isn't good or bad. It's just information. It depends on how you use it. Um, the interesting piece with data is it's consolidated in powers that it wasn't usually consolidated in, right? Okay. 80, 90% of the world's data is in like the hands of like, I don't know, less than 10 companies, right? Wow. <laughs> It's, you know, it's not like a government has it. Um, Although the government has their fair share, right? They do. And they do have backdoors into almost all of those systems. Yeah. And that's why everything we do at Tiki is anonymous. Sure. Um, it's decentralized and anonymous. So you can't accidentally build a system that's implemented for spying on people. But right. that's a different aside, right? Right. All but like you said, data. Facebook, Facebook, LinkedIn, all those different programs, they have a lot of data. I mean, you, you give them a lot to join the program, but then watching your interactions, how you do things, who you interact with, all of that stuff, they collect. And then oh, yeah. they have control over that. You don't know when they're using it or how they're using it. Are they selling it to somebody, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, so legally you do have access to that information, but good luck exercising those rights. Um, yeah. You can go and file an information request with Facebook and they'll send you a link to like, 10 gigabytes of HTML and JSON and you'll be like, all right, cool. What do I do with this? Right? Like it means nothing, right? Yeah. It doesn't, it's just, they just dump a, a problem on your plate. Um, and that's because of legal um, requirements, right? Legally in the United States, most, most states in the United States, all of Europe, you are the legal owner of your data um, as a user. So you own that information that they're storing and using and selling and transacting and building models against. You actually do own it. Um, it's yours. You have the right to get it, to delete it, to update it. Um, but good luck, right? Yeah, so that's, but that's where we somewhere in the fine print, somewhere in the yeah. fine print, you've given them authority to use your data. To right? use it, but they don't own it, right? right? And so ultimately, if you own something, you can change. You can take it back. You can change sure. it. You can edit it. You can update it, right? These are, if you own something, it's just property rights, just like you own your car or house or even the computer I'm talking to to you through yeah. right like when you own something we call it control and compensation you choose who drives your car if you sell your car you get money for it right like these are things that we we expect over all the tangible goods in our lives right. technically and legally that applies to your data as well absolutely and so that's when you guys created tiki tiki tiki, tiki. tiki. yeah yep, yep. we nice. created tiki to enable people to do that right if people cared enough about their data and we have a lot of proof that says they do um, yeah. then they can claim ownership over it and once you claim ownership you can you open up a whole new way that we can think about and use data as a society right for the user it looks like control and composition it looks like tinder honestly you swipe left mm -hmm. and right to make choices about what happens with your data um, on the other side for businesses it actually looks like spotify they get access to all of the world's information basically at their fingertips in terms of graphs, they all anonymously though, right? Like the big, one of the big differences in what we do is it's all anonymous, right? So instead of your identity going through thousands of these companies that all take a piece of it and they leak your data and all this negative stuff happens to you, you as the user say, hey, these are the things I'm cool with. These are the things I don't want. Um, this is how much money I need to get, I need to 
get paid to do certain things to opt right. in these companies. I want to share my information with, I don't want the U S government to have it, but I want, you know, my local music store to have okay. my information, right. You get to make those choices because they're ultimately all your choices. And then behind the scenes, we make, we take care of making all that information anonymous and then nice. giving the same data back to the companies to use that they normally would have from identifiable information. Right. Okay. So local music store, they buy into your program. Yeah. So they now have access to the data. If I see them come up on my machine or my phone or whatever, you say, I can swipe to say, yes, Yeah. I give them permission or no, I don't. Exactly. Right. So you okay. make choices and we help you prioritize them by prioritizing that stack of information. Yeah. And once you start setting preferences, it just happens automatically behind the scenes. Okay. And so like the music store might get a, let's say the music store has an email newsletter, right? And they want to know, like, what are the, like, why are customers opening uh, rival music stores newsletter more often than theirs? Or when we send out an email, how many of those people actually come back to our store and buy, mm -hmm. right? Which subject lines perform the best? How, like, if I send the email, how many of them actually got opened? Did anyone right. forward it, right? Um, so we give them all that information um, in a way that they don't have to do anything. No engineers. It's all anonymous. It's all safe and secure. Um, which is give them a little dashboard that looks like Spotify. And as they click through and use things, you as the user are getting paid. It's like you're the musician, right? Um, oh. Instead, right? So, you know, your data is like your song that you're creating. And so as you're creating that song and people are streaming your song to businesses, you're getting paid. But if I swipe the other way yeah. and they don't have access to my data. Yeah, you turn it off. Okay. Right? It's all your choice. What... I'm thinking of the Zuckerbergs of the world. What's the ramifications? If I say, no, you can't use my data, can they lock me out of my applications? Well, so with Facebook, you have dozens and dozens of choices, actually, in terms of privacy. So it depends, right, on terms of what you want to do. A great one is facial recognition software, right? Mm -hmm. So Facebook uses facial recognition software to auto-tag you in pictures. You as the user have the ability to turn that off, right? There's no reason it needs to be buried behind like a bunch of settings menus, name right. something confusing, right? It can just be Facebook is tracking your face. Swipe left to turn it off. <laughs> if you want to keep it on, they'll use it to auto tag your pictures and hear the other things they've been known to do with it. And right. you'd let the user choose. So you actually like privacy is not a all or nothing. It's a spectrum. And so for every single app you have has a range of settings. If you don't want Facebook to have any data of yours, you're going to have to quit Facebook. But that's your choice as well, right? Yeah. The goal is just allow people to make informed choices. We make thousands of choices every day. Your data can be as simple as make, you make four or five of them and you spend 30 seconds once every couple of weeks. After a few months, you've got like 80% of your data well under control, right? It's, you know, you don't have to, it's not some crazy expectations. Just the world's made it so hard. Yeah. Very cool. So does this cost for the users? Does it cost for the companies that want the data? How does that work? It's free for users. In fact, you get paid. So you get paid for your data that you decide to share. Nice. So you actually make money. So it's, it doesn't cost you anything. You make money. I um, mean, for businesses, they buy into it. Um, and we're going to market at $10 a month, unlimited access for businesses to all of the world's information, just wow. like Spotify or Netflix. So, you know, the type of data we're bringing to SMBs is something you would normally pay like Oracle, like $250,000 a year for a crappier version of what we're, what we're bringing um, for 10 bucks unlimited. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And giving power back to the, the data owners. That's All awesome. power only goes back to the people.
right? That's, that's the future we need. We need a world where it's individualized, right? Like this is the whole point. We can't sure. like no central authority can decide what's right. Like how and how could they? Your yeah. privacy is relative to you based on what data you want to share with who, what are they going to do with it? Why, right? Like my my choices around my privacy are not the same as yours. Right. So why does it like why do we have a world where it's like all or nothing, right? You'll never it's impossible to make that right for every person it'll never work right i don't care if it's the government or facebook no single entity could ever choose what's right for a billion people exactly no and they shouldn't absolutely but you know the going to talk about the data i think we saw a, a ted talk one time somebody was talking about if you're sitting next to your spouse and you both search on say egypt based on your search history which is part of the data things that they kind of collect Maybe I will get travel information because that's most of the stuff I look at is travel sites. My wife will get the the, the financial you know settings in Egypt and and you know the currencies and their markets and everything like that because that's what she looks up. It's the same search, but they're dictating what you what response you get from that search. Right. Correct. I mean, it's like crazy all this how they use the data and you never know what they're collecting or when or how. So I Correct. love the idea of getting some some control back. I like that. Exactly. Right. And it's not even necessarily bad that search is personalized. I kind of mm. like it. I still use Google over DuckDuckGo for that reason, because yeah. the search, I find the search to be more relevant and accurate to me. Sometimes it can be. Right. What isn't right about it is that I have no idea what they're collecting, how they're doing it, what the, how they're using it. And I have no choice in that matter. Right. It's yeah. either I use Google or I don't use Google, but there's no like, here's what's going on and right. what choices can I make about it? Right. And so it's, it's, I, don't I just don't want them filtering. Them. I don't want them thinking for me. It's kind of like autocorrect. <laughs> I don't want them autocorrecting. If I say this, that's what I meant. Right. Um, it, but it seems like they're filtering what I get to see. So who knows what I'm missing? Well, I would like to see everything and be able to go through it myself and decide. Well, I'll give you the, the flip side of the argument and play the devil's right. advocate Perfect. on this one for search specifically. What they're trying to do is figure out what your intention is. Because when you type Egypt and your wife types Egypt, you might have two different intentions of what you're searching for, right? And so they're trying to find the right result for you. And early on, Google measured this in the minimum amount of time you spend on their website, right? So the time it took from you to search something to click a link, and they're optimizing for what, how to pick the right ones to put at the top, because Egypt is so open to interpretation, right? right? Like what I mean by Egypt, what you mean by Egypt, what your wife means by Egypt are three very different things, exactly. right? Um, and so they're trying to play to that. And for that, like there's a time and place for that. And sometimes you just like, hey, just give me the most accurate. Yeah. But then you give the question, what is accurate? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. There's no easy answers in any of this, right? Like that's, No, there isn't. That's why you got to ultimately let people choose what what's right for them. And it's okay. Like people are going to make, right choices and wrong choices it's up to them right ultimately you live with your own choices right i don't like a world where someone else chooses for me yeah amen i don't like that either very cool so uh, the podcast is about courage right when you came out of college you could have worked for a big company right have your cubicle (laughs) sticky notes all over the walls like everybody else did um to go out on your own, to start something, to kind of create, you know, that was something that was big and important for you and stuff, but that can be scary for some people. Where did you find the courage to go out and say, 
I'm going to do something different. I'm going to create something. Um, well, it's why I got into all of this in the first place, right? Like as a kid, you don't think like, how am I going to make money? You just like, what do you want to do? And so ultimately it just came back to, that's why I, it's why I spent all this time and money learning all these things was to be better at creating things, right? That's it, right? You can like, you'd be a pretty crappy inventor if you didn't have any engineering training, right? So that's yeah. why I sucked it up and went to an engineering school. And I went and learned all this stuff, even though I never wanted to be, you know, a traditional type of engineer in a, like a cubicle who does this because, and I went to school with many of them, right? There's no knock against people who are like, that's a good stable job. Right. A nice, like, you know, I can do this thing for the next 30 years and run it, have a family, but it wasn't why, why I did it, right? And so ultimately, you know, you just, you kind of look the other way on all the scariness of, you know, well, there's no, potentially I might not ever make any money. Um, money's going to be very, you know, it's going to yeah. come, it's going to go, and it's going to be the hard, hard, hard hours, right? Sure. Dedicating your life to something like I have is, it's a life. It's, I have no work-life balance. My life is just, I make things. <laughs> yeah. And so it's just, but that's what I ultimately always wanted as a kid. And so sure. that's what but I, that can be, that can be really scary for some people. I mean, were, were your parents entrepreneurs, people in your family? Did you learn that kind of from them? My dad is. Yeah. yeah. So my dad's a immigrant from Italy. He came over when he was, I want to say 27, 28 in his late twenties, came to the United States. Um, so he doesn't have like a college degree or anything. And so he came over as an immigrant and did the immigrant thing and started opening up small businesses and parlaying that small business into other small businesses. And he's just always worked for himself. Yeah. Um, probably a bit out of a necessity, but also he's a very, you know, very independent kind of guy. He's very, um, he's very hard headed, um, blanking on the Italian word for it, but he would always, <laughs> he'd always yell at it, likely being so hard headed <laughs> in Italian. Um, but yeah, it's it just like, so yes, there's definitely a lot of that in the DNA as well as I grew up around it, right? I grew up around somebody who was just, he worked for himself always, right? And it was him and sometimes my mom worked for him. Um, sometimes just him and another person, sometimes just him by himself, right? And it's just, so I did grow up around it. Um, I mean, it's still, I still get flack from my parents all the time. They're like, stop, knock off all of this and just go take like a half million dollar a year job at Google. Like, what are you yeah. doing? Right. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> you turning down huge salaries from big companies yeah. to, you know, fight the power. Like, what, what are you doing, man? Like, right. um, so I do get that, but yeah, I mean, and it is scary. Honestly, it's scary yeah. all the time. There are multiple times a year where I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to make salary and I don't know yeah. how I'm going to make rent. Um, yeah. But you do it because you love it. Because I don't know any other way, right? Like, it's just like, this is why I did it. It's what I always wanted to do. Sure. And once it gets in your blood, it's there. I, I, my wife and I started our own consulting company. And I, I could never be an employee again. You know, yeah. it's ruined me. <laughs> because <laughs> it really you know I mean? does. Yeah, yeah it does. Um, are there different types of courage you think are important for entrepreneurs? Like, if you were talking to a group of young entrepreneurs what kind of advice would you give them? You know, what, what are they, where do they need to find that courage to, to keep going and, and not give up? Well, yeah. Well, for starters, that's the trick. Keep going and not give up. Right. Um, my, my former CEO at Bluestream would always say, which came from not him, but somebody else who he started his first company with or worked for or something. 
Um, but he always say, you only lose when you give up. Right. Um, and so we may run out of money, but as long as I keep writing code and keep showing up and keep doing the job and finding a way you went, you, you get there, right? Like you only lose when you give up. So I think that's the first thing is you're ultimately entirely in control of it. Yeah. You might have to take a part-time job to pay rent, but ultimately you're the only one in control of whether or not this thing succeeds or fails. It's all on you to choose and which is very empowering when you recognize that. Yeah. It's scary. Cause like you have no one to, to point your finger at, but also no one to rely on, right? Like it's all on you, but also because it's all on you, you're the one who can make it work. Right. Yeah. So I think, you know, there is that, um, as well as, you know, one of the things I've always, everybody always struggles with in this space, right? People fall, usually they lean towards one side or the other, but the, the, like the willingness to like, just charge ahead with something that you know to be true or believe to be true, whether the logic and facts are behind you, right? It yeah. takes a leap of faith to mm -hmm. start anything and create anything new um, as well as still balance the listening. Like you can't be so hard headed that you don't learn from your past experiences, yeah. but from other people who are experts yeah. and you can't be always just listening to other people because more of the same will get you more of the same, right? To create yes. something new requires a step away from yeah. just the known entity and so there's this like weird fine balancing act between the two when starting a company um yeah. i don't you know some days i do better at it than others oh yeah but, no that's that's part of the struggle right but it's the so uh the courage intellectual courage to be able to set aside long-held beliefs the knowledge you currently have to make room for new knowledge yeah. like you were saying earlier just because this is the way we've always done it doesn't mean that we're stuck with it always being this way there's got to be something else. There's got to be another way to do it. And to be open enough, especially as a leader, to be able to ask your team, "Hey, I don't know. Yeah, what do you guys think? You know, what what, what can we do?" Yeah, most days we show up here and we're like, "We don't know." Right? Like that's part of it. Venturing into the unknown is a unknown. Uh, you yeah. don't know. Expecting you're going to go in, knowing yeah. it, you'll never find anything new. Exactly. So, yeah, really, scary. that's that's what courage is, is yeah. feeling the fear and doing it anyways, right? Yeah, ultimately, you have to have a belief that you'll figure it out, yeah. right? Like, like, I don't have, I don't know the answer. I just yeah. know that I will find the answer, right? And that's yeah. a, it's just a very different way to approach a problem. Yeah. Marie Forleo says, everything is figure outable. <laughs> Perfect. Well said. Much well better said. than the way I said it. <laughs> um, how many folks do you have working for you there at Tiki? Four of us. Yeah, okay. four. Small. Um, That's good. Oh, small, like agile. Them. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I always said, give me five engineers, I'll build you anything you need. Right. Like always. That was always just the belief, right? Like the right people, well paid, well compensated, with like, like I'd rather have four people making good money, feeling good, taken care of than 20 people underpaid, like fighting tooth and nail just to get yeah. it out the door, right? I'd rather have a, a person who's senior or junior, but there for why, like we always talk about the why when we mm -hmm. hire people, why, why are you doing this? What's your why? Yeah. Um, my co-founder has a quote, I don't know where it came from, but um, a man with any why can find any how, I believe is yeah. the quote. Love it. 
Yeah. And, and so that's what we talk about, right? Four people with a really strong why will outperform 20 people who are just there to, you know, because they think you might make some money one day. Absolutely. Perfect. So if I was to bump into any of these folks on the, on the road and ask them about your leadership style, mm -hmm. what, would they, what would they tell me? What kind of leader are you? I like to say servant leader. I think they would probably say that in a far more words. Um, but ultimately, yeah, I'm not, I hate telling people what to do, right? I, that's just not my style. I'd rather get people in there. And it's very, you know, Tiki's very collaborative in that way, right? You know, obviously as a CEO, every once in a while, I got to be like, no, we got to do this or that. We can't just be constantly just running off in every direction. But yeah, I don't, you know, I like a style where, you say what you do, you do it, and you don't need people to tell you what to do, right? You have something, you have a responsibility. Mm -hmm. You're here because you want to be here. You're not here because this is a job. You've chosen this as a thing you want to do. And I expect people who choose to do this to actually do it, right? So I give you responsibility. I expect you to do it, right? And then we talk about it. I'm not going to tell you how to do it. I'm going to trust that you can figure it out. I'm here to help. Right? I'm, always ha I'm always ready to help. Um, but ultimately, yeah give people responsibility, let them do it. And then we figure it out together. Cause by the way, as we were talking about before, I generally also don't know the answer. So if you come to me and you're like, Hey Mike, what do I do? I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, <laughs> but you have uh, an idea. They have an idea together. You have. Together we make idea. something, yeah, right? Absolutely. Yeah. It's never a straight line. Right. That's another mm. thing we would always say at blue stream. It's never a straight line. Right. I like to think about the world in terms of what we're going to do in the next two weeks. And I'll go out about maybe two to three months total. And then everything's kind of a murky picture until about 10 years from now, right? You got a North star you're chasing and you got yes. short term plans that you can yes. feel very confident and concrete about and plan against and execute against. But I have no, there's no world in which I care about what we're planning a year from now, right? I don't care yeah. about, you know, companies will sit down and be like, January, let's plan out our year. I'm like, what do you know? How are you supposed yeah. to know it's going to happen in October, which might directly impact what you're going to do in November, right? Like that's insane. Like plan what you can do and then yeah. have a North star. Exactly. Love it. Yeah, it's perfect. So what's next for you? What's next? We're raising money. We're going to hire a ton of engineers. Um, you know, we're going to bring a bunch of people in here, all the best data people I can get in the world. And we're, it's off to the races. I mean, we've been building, building, building for, what seems like forever, it's really been about six months, but mm -hmm. we built something really magical. We have a huge user wait list. We have nice. a bunch of companies signed up, ready to go with a pilot program. Nice. So now it's time to really make it real, right? Um, marketplace businesses like ours specifically have this weird, it's like a weird gap year after you build your product, right? In the B2B software world, you make what they call an MVP, which is mm -hmm. minimum viable product. And then you just start selling it and you start growing with the customer base. But if you built a marketplace like that, it would fall flat on its face. It'd be, mm -hmm. you know, Spotify launched with only Beethoven, right? Yeah. Most people would sign up and they'd be like, well, you don't have the songs I like it, so I quit, right? And so you yeah. can't, you need to have, you need to stack the deck. You need to have enough of that catalog for it to work. And so that's really what we're focused on for the next year is building that catalog, which means bringing in bringing in bodies to help us build and refine and fine tune um, nice. and get that quite right. So when we launch it, it goes, you know, to the moon as opposed to falling over. Yeah. But you've been through beta testing on the app and everything's yeah. working exactly the way you want. You learn, you tweak, you learn, you tweak. 
That's it. You know, Learn and tweak. That's over and over again. Rinse yeah. and repeat, right? Add Rinse features, and repeat. Listen to users, listen to customers, build what they want, make it valuable, make it sticky, make it actually do what we say we want it to do, right? That's yeah. all. And there's no, there's no shortcut to that. That's just, you yeah. make something, you give it to someone, you hear from them what they like and don't like about it, do it again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just hard work. Excellent. Yeah, I had a lady on the other day, a uh, scrum master and agile person. That's your big thing. Test yeah. it, tweak it, test it, tweak it, right? Until you get it right. That's perfect. Um, so is this available now? Is Tiki available to so you can users? Sign up for our wait list. Okay. Um, we originally had it open in beta, but we signed up too many people and then it got too big. And then okay. we had to cap the hard, we had a hard cap it. So we signed up uh, the waitlist is like 125,000 people long right now. Um, our beta is about 30,000, 40,000 of those people are in the beta, which is okay. when we started, I wanted a thousand beta testers. And so 120, like four people, 125,000 is an unmanageable size. Yeah. So we had to cap it. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping to expand that pretty soon. We're dropping hopefully later this week. I don't know when this podcast comes out, but mm-hmm. later by the end of this month, so call it. May 1st, um, we're going to be minting the first user data NFTs, which is very exciting. That's the first people, our beta testers, are going to take ownership of their email data um, in mass volume. The first time we beta um, email data um, ownership, we did about 10 million data points in an hour. And then my whole system fell down because it was so much volume. Wow. <laughs> so I had to rebuild it. But that's the, you know, test and repeat. <laughs> That is awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing how this works out. Yeah, I think it's awesome that you're giving, giving control back. I think yeah. that's great. We got to find a way. We got to find a way. We can't, gotta find. the world can't be just, we all give up privacy, right? There's, you lose individuality that way, right? We just get one giant hive mind connected by technology. Yeah. And that sucks. That just sucks. <laughs> Good deal. All right, final question. Your little mascot on your website, little pineapple, who is he? Just a pineapple, man. Do you have a name? You don't have a name for him? Every mascot needs a name. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Throw out some names. I'll take some names. He's he's a happy pineapple. Like the company's already got a goofy name. (laughs) Uh, That's awesome, though. Yeah, he's Tiki. I don't know. He's just, he he is Tiki. (laughs) Eats pizza and wears sunglasses. That's perfect. Yeah, he does. Love it. Yeah. Good job. All right. (laughs) Mike, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for taking time out. If people want to learn more about this, what's your website? MyTiki.com. MyTiki.com. Very good. Nice and easy. And uh, can they connect with you on LinkedIn? Oh, yeah. You can find me on LinkedIn, you know, Mike Audi. I'm pretty easy to find. Last name, Audi, like the car. I'm all over the internet. You can find me on LinkedIn, on Twitter, wherever. If you go to our website, it's got links to everything. You'll find you'll find me. You'll find us. You can join our Discord and start sending me messages if you want. I don't know. Excellent. I'm on the internet. I'm here. All right. <laughs> good job. All right. I'm going to have all those uh, links in the show notes everybody so they can reach out and get in touch with you and i hope they do this is this is huge i think this is going to be great good job all right thanks again for being on the podcast listeners hope you guys are taking a lot of notes a lot of good information here and definitely check out mytiki.com and get involved because this is important and share this with your family friends and colleagues and stick around because there's always more coming that's it for me coach harlan saying so long for now 